Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. All right, everybody. So this is Kate. Derek. And Jennifer. Sean. We are doing another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown. And this week, Pastor Jason is trying to rest his voice. So we are taking over from him. (laughs) When the cat's away, the mice will play. It will be great. (laughs) So we're talking about Pastor Jason's sermon on Galatians 4, 1 through 7. And he did a really great recap of the racial reconciliation from the week before. um, And he talked about a lot of really cool things with his recap. Um, We talked about the three walls that Jesus destroys, racism, classism, and sexism. Uh, What did you guys think of the recap? Anyone? I I wasn't ready for your question. I don't know why. Sorry. I think it was, I love that he um, used his influence and like, took it from God's word to speak the truth on these topics. And yeah. I think a lot of Christians and Christians, in, I think the world is hungry for it. The world is absolutely hungry for these conversations and Christians need to be leading them and spirit and like, and having them and having God's word lead and guide that. So to me, I'm really glad that, you know, we picked Galatians because it, it incorporates with our theme of belonging. And it just happened that the text uh, was talking about these things in a time when we need we need to hear them and and be t- reminded of them. So, and when I when I look at that, what I what I tend to think about is I think these three areas: so racism, classism, and sexism. I feel like these are areas that the church seems to be in society that we're viewed as doing them wrong, sure. and that you know maybe maybe we fail at these, and that the Bible's racist or it's you know sexist, sexist or whatever. Yeah. And in reality, this is literally what the text pushes against or like and so it's interesting when people when people claim that Christianity is all these things and it is those things like you can't say that any any institution in America doesn't have that but when you let's say you 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 hold it to scripture and you're like well scripture's this way yeah but it also offers us hope in these three areas in a way that I think sometimes we we lose in context of other parts of scripture. And I think you can't discredit this and and what it's what Paul's trying to do here by opening up uh the gospel to all different areas. And so I think it's very interesting how we we are viewed as these as negative, but then Paul's offering them as this is where we're gonna push against because we know how valuable it is to have a gospel like that. I totally agree. I love how Pastor Jason pushed on the the sonship wording in the text and saying that like that can be a turnoff for people, but it's saying that if you understand the context mm-hmm. of what this is being written in and the world that they were writing it in was male-centered and it's saying no, black, white, straight, male, female, whatever, slave or free, you get this sonship and mm-hmm. everything that comes with the the hierarchy of being an heir yeah as a son and it's that's the that's the, the incredible part where it's like no it's not saying that we are sexist it's saying that god's not that that's not what he has for you yeah well for for me when because like i didn't grow up in the church and so like mm-hmm. from an outside view and like where i can see like when 
when Derek said, you know, the a lot of people see the church as doing it wrong. And um that's how I, I saw it too. Yeah. I, I saw it at just the church as just like, you know, there like when in my little small little town of two hundred people, there was a white church and there was a black church and they did not cross paths in the church. Outside the church, it there, was fine. It was fine. Mm-hmm. But when it came to when it came to Jesus, I it was just like that's something you do not cross. And it's so weird. And so like and then for me coming I grew up most of my family is most of my family are women. And so like mm. so like um seeing where seeing where my mom had to fight just to be able to like just do simple things mm. and just just like like I remember I remember like being a kid just walking in like in the grocery store and a man just like, Hey, where's your husband? And like because I lived in, in the south too, in the deep south. And so like, you know, where's your husband? Like this is really dangerous, and my mom just looked at me like, "You better get out my out my face," you know. Some other words, and other words, and, and so. <laughs> Didn't your wife ex- also experience something like that though? When she was yeah. in the hardware store, she's even in all, here in Iowa, in, well, it just, it's so crazy. <laughs> like just like classism and like sexism is just like my wife Ashley. She literally she she's a craftsman. She 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 works with her hands more than I do. That's beyond. Like I'm like she. She can do anything that she wants. Like an artist with yeah. hardware kind of stuff. And so like, like so she cool. wants she she wanted to make she made a flag for a company called Creative Co Studios, you know. Go check that out. She's a web designer. And so <laughs> shameless plug. And so she so she went to get she had to get grommets. Grommets are the things that what you hang the flag with. And she was like, she needed she was like, you know, the best way to do this. She asked the lady that worked at the hardware store, she was like, you should really get a man to do this. The woman said <laughs> the it to woman said The woman said it to You should really a get a man to do this. And Ashley was like, Ashley okay. was just like, like, okay, I'm watch this. She came home. She got she she yelled at me. She was like, this woman said I need a man. I don't need no man. And she did it with a candle. I was like, you know we got a community a with hammers, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's so crazy thinking about just like Jesus and and these things is just like how cool. Like when I became saved, how cool Jesus was counterphobic to like yeah. the rest of the world, even like even the church was towards these things. And I think your experience points to like the reality that the church does mess this up. Yeah. And so yeah, when I said right. that earlier, I'm not saying that I think the church does it well. No, no I don't. But what I think sometimes. it's interesting is when we compare what the church does versus what scripture is pushing us towards yeah. or trying to push against. Yeah. And so I think what you're experiencing is very real. And I think it's what a lot of the world experiences is a church that is these things, even though we're told that this is not how we are supposed to do it. So it's yeah. very, it's very interesting. Well, I'll just talk about my own biases for a second. Like one of the things I've really wanted to do recently is go into a black gospel church because that is culturally different than what I'm used to. But you know what? I'm like old enough that that should, that, why did that thought even come into my mind? You know what I mean? Like, why is the segregation so different and the cultures and the experiences so different? And it's like, there is a fear component component for me of like, A, will I be a weirdo there? Will I be accepted there? Like, am I going to be off-putting? Am I like, and so. Or even like the feeling, I I totally agree where there's a fascination of it. It was like, I want to be able to experience this. I want to, I want to learn from it. I want to make sure that I'm viewing things um, in a healthy way. But then the other part of it is, well, what's my intention? Am right. I going, is, is this yeah. a zoo and I am a I observer? Yeah, right. Like, at, am yeah, I, absolutely. It's, it's so weird. You, you, it's this turmoil within you where you want to do the right thing, but you're also a human. I totally agree. The church doesn't always get it right because it's full of 
humans. It's hard. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I finally do think I've come to a point in particular to that of just like, no, I want to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ who do it differently than me. And because there is beauty in that. But for a long time, and not that I I don't even, I didn't even think about it. So I'm not saying I didn't want to do it. I'm just saying it just wasn't even even on my mindset. Um, But it's like comfortable is just so easy. And it's really, it's it's really actually challenging to be uncomfortable and to put yourself in that situation. I like, oh, sorry, go ahead, Pastor Mary. Uh, I was just going to say that when we we when we go on mission trips, like with the kids, so like or ser- local service trips types of things, we always try to pick a church to go to, and we just randomly pick them. It's not like not random. Like we do, we look we, we look them sure up, but it's like, like we don't good. know much about them, yeah. and so we just go. And we picked one, and I'm not going to name the church, but it was a multicultural church, and we went to it, and the worship was so strange. There was one song that was like, it was like. 80s white church with like a like if they would have brought out like uh one of the things that you shake and it had like a tambourine a, like a tambourine oh, yeah. or a, or a maraca or whatever <laughs> like and like the, the they were up there dancing to it just like super straight out of like an 80s I guess it's super strange. And the next song was like this tribal song and like very and it was just so off putting and I'm like. I like that it's trying, but it's like, even when we're trying, it's still not. You miss the mark. Yeah. And so it was interesting. And I think the kids got a lot out of it, just seeing it, but it was very, even that was off-putting. And so even if we try to do things, it doesn't mean we're going to get it right. Yeah. Even yeah. if we, our heart's in the right spot. And so. That's so, that's so hard because like, because part of me is just like, yeah, we need to just, you know, be just together and multi-ethnical church. But sometimes it's hard just because music because i live in music and just like the difference or teachings or whatever yeah it was just like just Mm -hmm. the difference like we went right now media and the last speaker was that traditional he just had a microphone here and he just had a podium yeah what was his name charlie yeah charlie i can't think of his last name and charlie like he and like that's that's like he was like that was like that typical black style that he still was able to communicate to everybody but then um like and it's so hard to like you know because like this and i'll be honest there's some bands like i'm not part of a band back in georgia we and like there's some there's some things we just don't do because if we can't do it right i'm not gonna do it if i'm if i don't have if i don't have a if i don't have a band or some people that could do a gospel song from tasha cobbs i'm not Mm -hmm. like that's not gonna be appropriate because like if I'm not, if you're not gonna do it justice, that's just for me anything. If you're not gonna yeah. do something justice, don't don't. Do if you it. don't have the like the skill quality, and yeah. you also have to be aware of your audience of like this yeah. is not going to be well received. Yeah. yeah. You know what's the context that you're gonna be doing it as? You know, and we think about that anytime that we're trying mm. to introduce new things. And I like that Pastor Jason had uh, continued to talk about Dr. Erwin Gore in his book, The Building a Multicultural Church. And he talked about this challenge that Dr. Erwin Gray, Derwin, sorry, not Erwin, <laughs> Derwin. I always mess up names that sound right, but they're not, sorry. <laughs> Derwin Gray. And he had said this challenge that he'd given pastors of, are you building a homogenous church or a church that all looks the same? And then he continued to talk about that the church is meant to be an example of God's vision for the world to come. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? Particularly, Pastor Derek, I know that you talk a, a little bit more of like God's vision and that, that what, it, what is the world supposed to be like? And that's really what scripture is pointing to. Yeah. And one of the things that, and I, I think I've said this on, the, on this before, but uh, I think it's fitting here as well. 
I like to look at I like to look at culture, and I I think when you hear culture screaming out, whether it be um, over race, whether it be over COVID, whether it be whatever it might be, whether it be in the in the '90s it was like homosexuality, like there's all these things that I think culture screams against. I feel like what that does to me is it shows the area where the church didn't step up and lead. It didn't show the proper way of of leading culture and. I don't know. And so when I when I look at it, I, I that's what I when I hear that statement, that's what I, I think about when I hear God's vision for the world. I think a lot of times we take a backseat and let culture dictate it when in reality we should let God's vision dictate how we move and interact with culture. And I think we mess that up. <laughs> I think even when we have the most the best intentions in our heart of like trying to to spread God's word, I think a lot of times humanity we just uh we fall flat and I don't know if that answers your question. No, it's great. Jennifer, what do you think, like, in the context of the Galatians and what Paul's trying to say with them, when it's, like, that same thing, right? Like, their culture was dictating what they were doing. Um, yeah, and I love that Paul had the the courage and the bravery and the conviction to say, like, to keep standing up against that. And I know in, like, He was not making friends. <laughs> and it was years. Yeah. This wasn't, like, a week-long, you know, like – talking it was like no it was years of spreading the same message of like fighting the same fight and you know what as a for us that's tiring like we can get so tired like I get tired when I have to and when I'm fighting the same battles all the time right and it's like why are you not getting this why are you not getting this why are you not getting this why am I repeating myself over and over and over again we've talked about this already why are you not moving on (laughs) and so I really can empathize with Paul on that of like but I think that his perseverance th- through it shows a significance about not just how important it is, but how true and real it is. Because you don't f- keep fighting a battle like that unless it's the right thing to do, unless it's, you know, unless it's really true, unless you really are convicted by it. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about Paul, and I think what kind of what you're saying, and uh, or I think, and I want to say this is exactly what scripture's saying, but this is my interpretation when I'm reading and seeing Paul is, Society at that time was, was said that all these things were, were were normal, that there is a class system, there was a race system, like all these things. And Paul seems to be like slowly pushing and chipping away at this. He doesn't come right out and say, this is bad, stop it. And like in Philemon, it's more of a, yeah, you know, this, you know, this slavery thing is, is bad, but you are still a child of God. Like, I think he like chips away at it because he's getting to an end end yeah. result, but I think it's, he's doing it systematically. So it's not just a, cause if you just went out and said, you know, slavery is bad in that time, he would have just been like booed off the stage. <laughs> yeah. And so I think he was trying to push against norm without breaking the norm. And I think that was, to me, I, it feels like the right approach. Uh, I like that approach. I, I like the way, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sean. No, you go ahead. Well, I like the way that Paul also, you know, that counseling tactic is you don't give people the answer. Mm. Yeah, the way that right. he words things is you come to the same conclusion. The way yeah. that he's constantly bombarding you with the, these questions and these these side things where he doesn't direct head on say it, but he makes you, he leads you to this same conclusion because it's like, well, okay, if you're disagreeing here, then what do you about, then, think about okay. point one, two, right. and three? Okay, well then, obviously the the logical answer then is my point, point. and I love how how Paul does that, where he leads you to that answer. 
Sorry, Sean. No, you no, you're good. No, because I just think about like how how Paul really knows each audience that he mm-hmm. you know, he speaks. Like he he doesn't just speak to the Jewish audience. He also can just go and speak to the Gentiles and just like think of our day and age of just like we sh- like we sh- like we should also be careful with like who what audience we're like speaking to and how, like, we, and how we how we approach it, it. Yeah. because like there's because there's I mean like and I, I always go back to music because I mean that's just the world I live in but like there there's times where like I had to, there's there's times where like I had to change the way I like I speak not because it's not I'm not changing who I am just so they can you, I can they can I can clarify who like what I'm trying to convey to yeah. that audience because especially especially music because like there's there, I've I've been <laughs> I've been to places where you would, like I try to be um uh what is the word I try to be um stereotypical to an audience and I was totally wrong you know I just way out and and like it offended them because like why do you why do you think that you know we why do you think we are only in this style? We're like we we're actually in on these various different styles and stuff like that. And so like I always like look up to Paul when it comes to just like how no matter if it's Romans, if wherever he's going, wherever he's wherever he's talking to, he he understands the lingo of who he's like yeah. talking to. Who he needed to be to each people so that way he could convey his message. Because the message ultimately was the goal, being able to communicate that with anyone. He had an incredible Holy Spirit, I think, ability to do that. Yeah, I'm just trying to, and this may this may take us the wrong route, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like what would be as drastic as probably what he was doing then, like today. Like I, I'm thinking of like maybe like sports, like somebody coming in and telling you sports are bad. <laughs> And like you go into a society that loves football and you just say, you know, football's terrible. We need to get rid of it completely. Like how well will that message go over? Yeah. Bad. Right. It won't go over well. And and I was just thinking like what 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 would be as dramatic as that back then of like of that system that they all knew, they all lived under, they all not I'm not saying liked, but they all had to they thought thought was the norm and he's coming in and starting to push against that. In a, in a way that's I think is long term is going to be the best way of yeah. doing it versus if he would have came in with a hammer, yeah. like I think he would have he probably would have been killed way earlier. <laughs> Spoiler, uh, Paul dies. They tried to kill him several times, but eventually yeah. they succeed. But I think the other side of that too is a lot of people turn away. Hmm. And so like even, you know, I was just reading this a couple weeks ago, Jesus, when he was talking about drinking my blood and eating my flesh. It says many of his disciples left him. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and Paul's going to see that, too. I don't know. I can't think of a particular text where it says that. But I'm just from a hum- humanity standpoint, if you don't agree with what I have to say, I'm going like at some point people will leave that. Right. Yeah. And I don't change. I don't change the message. That doesn't change. Right. But seeing people leave be really hard. because of your because of what you're trying to do, like because you're doing the right thing is really a difficult thing to receive and process through. And so I guess I, I mean, I commend Paul for still persevering, even when people are leaving and dropping as flies, even as, you know, even as he's having to have conversations over. I mean, I even think of like Peter, you know, like how many conversations did he have to have with Peter? And, and I, you know, it's like, you're a man, like you're a man of God. Like, I don't know. And I just think that that is, 
we see that and that makes mm-hmm. these trials so much more difficult and heavy. And what I love about it in his letters, I think you can see it and how he how he sets up his letters. Like, yes, he uses the form of that of that time, but you can see it where he'll like compliment them. Like yeah. he'll he'll build them up. <laughs> he'll be like, you're a leader in this. Like you're yeah. important to this. And then he'll name drop. He'll be like, and I send regards from, you know, Peter back in Jerusalem and like all these people to show like to give it weight. And then he's like, and then he asks those questions of like, and what do you think about this? Already having built them up, like almost like he's doing everything he can to be like, oh, so you you don't agree? Like you're a leader, like you know, you're a leader. You know, you know these people. I'm being sent. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's so interesting. He is so good at how he how yeah. he writes and tries yeah. to persuade. It's for that reason is to try to help where they don't just automatically go whoa yeah. and like yeah. I want to I want to run away. I think that's what I think that's one of the reasons he does that. Minus yeah. that's the, the natural form of writing in that time. But I do think that that helps with that that mentality of like, yeah. ooh, this is a lot. Yeah, I think that's a kind of fun transition to think about when we're talking about how Paul very carefully and very um, intentionally the way that he worded things was to keep people from being like, whoa, that's too much. That it was a very natural progression for him to, to have people to believe and come to the same conclusions. You know, and here at Zion, we're doing this belong, believe, become. And last week, Pastor Jason had really covered that belonging part of that. You know, we were talking about racial reconciliation and this multicultural church and how we're not all supposed to look the same. Um, and then he really, well done in his recap covered of, but it's not, we don't, want you to just stay that way yeah. either. Do you guys have some thoughts on that of like, what's that transition from belong into believe and then from believe into become? And how does Galatians really interact with that? Yeah, thoughts? I'm big on this. Like, <laughs> I, I just think- Go, Derek, go. She looked at me, but I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> well, I, I don't, if you, anytime you have slogans, whether you like them or not, I think if you only look at one part of them, they're going to fall flat. And I think that's the case here. To me, I view the, the, the three B's or however you want to call it. Um, B3, belong, it's a vitamin. Belong, believe, and become. It's a process. It's not a, you can only just focus in on one. Yeah. It's, no, we want everyone to belong. We want everyone to feel that way when you come in our doors, not become like us, not to just look like us, sound like us, feel like us, but we actually truly want you to belong. But we're not going to let you just stay there because we we come together for a reason it's because yeah. we believe in Jesus and that's that's where we want you you to get as well is to to believe in Jesus also and then in the act of believing in Jesus you'll start to become like Jesus and i think it's a process if we just jump to the becoming that's when you're going to run away yeah if you just if i were to walk in the doors of zion and you said uh and you know my sin and you immediately jump yeah. and say as i'm walking in the doors like you need to repent of that derek I'm going to be like, I got to go like, yeah. you know, and whether it's whether that's right or wrong, that it's the reality. You're going to push people away. And that's why I think it's a process to bring them in. Now, does that mean we don't hold people accountable? No, we absolutely have to. But there is ways and there's relationship. And all that stuff has to be done. If you don't have a relationship yeah. with someone and you try to correct them, they're not going to listen yeah. and they're going to actually resist and resist hard. And so that's why that's why I think it is important that these steps are, and they're not necessarily steps because you can jump to. There's going to be a flow. There is a flow to them, but you can jump around. Uh, I think that's a song. 
Jump, jump around. around. Jump, jump. Jump, jump. Get up and get down. It's jump weird around. that I'm the one that references this yeah. song it's in this. It's an Irish but. band, by the way. <laughs> well, and it's one of my favorites. So anyway, that's that's my that's my one big stance on that is to don't don't focus too much on just like we're not just going to sit in the become stage or, or the yeah, the, belong, blue, the belong, belong stage. We're going to push as a church. We're going to walk through this and start pushing more and more towards the becoming. Right. But that's that's and Paul definitely does. He's not. I know we just talked about how how specific he is he is and how he he writes. He's also blunt. Like he is not one that just lets you sit where you're at. He's going to be one that challenges yeah. you in a way where you do become more like Christ. Yeah. Uh, I think for for me, I really loved when Jason said last week, or I guess it'll be two weeks by the time this gets aired, but we don't clean the fish. Like, that is the Holy Spirit's job. We don't save people. We don't convict people. Like, that is the the job of the Holy Spirit. Now, should we be praying for those things? Should we be praying for people? Like, absolutely. But in the end, like, that's not really our job. We could teach the God's word and the gospel, and that alone will do something in people's lives. Like, we don't, I mean, and to your point, like, it can't be done without relationship anyway. And so the belonging is so critical because, and that's just true of any, nobody gets to speak into my life unless they have some relational equity in, in my life, right? And it's, and so it's true of all people. belonging to someone else as well. Absolutely. Like, you belong with me. You belong <laughs> in my family and my the, the people that can speak into me. That belonging needs to take place first. Yeah. Um, and I also just, I don't know, for some reason this scripture came to my mind and I think I've lost why it was connected to this. That's fine. But it's just like, they will, they will know us by our love. And here's the thing is like, that all occurs in the belong stage. And then it occurs in the belief stage and it occurs in the becoming stage yeah. too. But it's like. My becoming like Jesus and being, being able to love someone where they're at helps you come into that belonging. Absolutely. And that's, it's like. It's a circuit. It's circular, circular, mm-hmm. circular, and circular both. Now, can I? Uh, I like to always throw out the flip side, uh, so I'm going to do that again on this one as well. The 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 warning or the caution, let's say, not say warning. Let's say the caution is though, um, is that sometimes we become complacent where we are just like, it's okay that you sin. Yes, that's true. It's fine. Come in. You know, you're welcome. Yeah. You can just sit in it, and that's fine. When so we have to be very careful. So how do we point people towards Jesus yeah. without making it all about law, without making it all about the sin? Like how do we point people to the love of Jesus in a way that is uh, where they experience God, yet we still hold them accountable in the ways that we are supposed to? It's tricky. It is very tricky, and I think love has to be the 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 motivator, the, the, motivator, yeah. the driving force. Absolutely, yeah. Because the love part is important for the become, like for the becoming and believing part, right? Like, yeah. me wanting you to become like Christ should be motivated out of my love for you, right? Me, you belonging to our church should be motivated out of my love for you, and like all of those things, I think are are just a connecting piece. And yes, I, and I would not appreciate it. I like truth, lots of truth. So I would not appreciate a church that's like, or I would not appreciate our, our church being like, yeah, it's fine. No, it's not fine because your sin actually prevents you from living the abundant life yeah, that Christ has amen. for you. Yeah. And that again is motivated out of love. You're a slave to that. You're, like, you don't understand. No, you like, don't, I you don't want, get to experience freedom yet. Yes. And it's because, but it's also you because belong I love here, you. But you're not you free yet. That's right. And so yeah. I think it's just, um, so there is a, it is a both and, but I still think it's done 
in a way that is Christ-like. And I, that's where I'm getting with the God's word. God's word tells us enough. Like as long as we're teaching God's word and being faithful stewards of that, we don't we don't have to be like the fire and brimstone yeah. and like sharing like all your sins are bad. Like God's word will will do it for us if we're faithfully preaching that. I think one of the things when we were talking about how the church has been viewed by culture as doing things wrong, and I think um, I wasn't raised in the church, but I always felt like when friends or people or anyone, if I ever was invited to church or talked to about God, it was always as a project. Yeah. And it was like, I'm good. I don't need your, like, it was always with either a sense of pity or condescending. And it was like, the the feeling was like, I don't need to believe in God to be a good person. And you clearly think I'm not a good person. Mm. I don't want to belong to you. If you don't think I'm good anyway, I'm good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I think that um, the other part of it is, you know, this this idea of I've seen, I can't remember if it was an article or what it was, but it was it was for like children's ministry. And it was saying that be very careful of the um, like indoctrinating children with this idea that it is their job to save. Mm. Save their friends, save their family. And they're raised in that of like, oh, you know, we how we push this message and how we hold each other accountable and how we tell children to go and share the gospel sometimes puts the burden of obligation on them. And it's by no other name but Jesus that saves, you know. And we have to be very careful that that fine line that Pastor Derek was talking about of how do you balance this well of belonging but not staying, Yeah, you know. So one of the conferences we went to, and I don't remember if it was the breakout session or if it was the main session, so you guys might have heard it or or didn't, but uh, it stuck with me is this idea that if you want to, they were talking about megachurches. If you want to grow a megachurch, it's the easiest thing to do in America right now. Tell people what they want to hear and say that God is how you get it. Yeah. And so whatever that person is Prosperity. feeling that they want, yep. tell them exactly what they want to hear and then give it to them. And so I guess that's, and that just sticks with me because yeah. I, I, I don't want to just be that church that just tells people it's okay. You know, pornography is okay. You're welcome. Come on in. Um, we love you. And it's okay that you do it. That's much different than, hey, come on in. We do love you. But then over time, we start to build that relationship. And we start to correct behavior and not in a way where it's our job to, but it's by pointing them to what what matters to God, what matters to Jesus, what how do we live life like him? And I think that's it's such a tricky thing to do. Yeah. OK, so we continue on from this Believe, Belong, Become, and we go into my favorite part of this this Galatians series that we've been doing is that each week we do we have to have this recap because Pastor Jason even said it. This the headings, on, even in our translations of our Bibles, can be very misleading, but this is a continuing thought from the previous sermon that we were doing in 323, 329, all the way into four you know, when we're in chapter four and we continue on and we see that the Jews are reminded that their trustee is God's law. And he continues on and talks about this, of how we get this sonship. And then um, we continue on and we talk about, you know, God doesn't just choose the first heir. You know, he always shows, we, we see it with Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, uh, Jacob and Esauah. I think I said that wrong, but Joseph, Moses, Aaron, David, Saul, and we continue on in that. Um, what do you guys think of that part in the second class kind of mentality that Paul's addressing? So this is going to be really weird, but I'm into it. This, this, this sonship is what drew me to Christ, mm. right? The love and sonship is what drew me to Christ. So like 
because I was, because I grew up with my, my mom was my best friend and I had a relationship with my dad, but my dad worked all the time. And so like, it was just, cause my mom has epilepsy. And so like, she couldn't work. And so like, I had a great relationship with my dad, but like, I was my mom's best friend. And so at a young age of just like, and I guess it's how like my eight got to form because I protected my mom. Yeah. I took care of all my cousins. I took like, just, I did everything. Right. And I helped my dad go out to work. I, I remember at like age of 10 going, cutting down trees mm-hmm. and, and, and all this stuff. And like, I was tired. Yeah. There was one point in my life where I was just tired and I literally sat in a garden, like a prayer garden in, uh, in North Georgia. And at this, uh, it was a discipleship camp. I wasn't even saved yet. And I was at this cool. discipleship camp and I, and like, and just like this, cause I'm an only child. So like I grew up an only child. I have a brother, he's 18 years older than me. And so like, I always saw him as like the, Oh, he's the perfect child because he works for the government. He has a government job, nice car, and like everyone loved him. And I was the black sheep of the family. I played soccer, and I was I was into music, and like just so much different. And then like the typical black household, and so like your skinny jeans and anime, yeah, skinny, <laughs> anime, skinny jeans, you know, bands, and, and like running around and just you know BMXing and all this stuff, skateboarding and and like. And so I always just felt like this second class and like what he was mm. talking about. I always felt like that. Just and 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 I'll be honest, and, and it was mostly because it's just like just the just looking back, it was the mostly enemy. It wasn't my family or anything sure. doing that to me. It was the enemy just like, yeah, see, like your your mom loves your older brother. Look at what he's doing. And I'm, but I'm like 15. It's like I can't go get a government job at 15. And so like <laughs> so like I'm looking back, but just like that that feeling of and then we're going back to so I was in that prayer garden, just like so weird. It was the woman of the well story of the like it was the woman at the well story, and just like it's one of my favorite biblical stories. And just like something about that story, just like yeah, God called out her sin, but still showed so much love mm-hmm. and showed love to her first. It was the first I am statement in the book of John. And and so to her. And so I'm just like that's that was like that was for me. I was like that's powerful. Now and, and I remember sitting in that prayer garden. And I was like I was like Jesus. I was like, I'm already a people person. People love to talk to me. I don't know why. And, but if the answer to what all I have and all my struggles, all my depression, all my anxiety is you and you love me and for who I am and you're going to and I'm going to grow in you. I choose that because everything else was failing. I was a soccer player. I did. I, I mean, my mom used to hate it because I would come home just tired. Right. I, I wrestled. I, I did mm-hmm. soccer. I filled my time with music. And I was just trying to feel like fill that hole with all these things I was doing, and just then God just hit me with just like, like I love you, yeah, like you, like, like, like um, what what you see your brother blessings is what I I can give to you because my brother was saved and like and so like yeah. and so like he 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 put God first and so when I finally reached out when I got saved and he's like yeah you. Like you are like it doesn't matter. I'm older than you. You can do better things than I've done. It's like it's not that. It's like I'm not ahead of you. If like in Christ we are together. I love that we see that in Scripture and that Pastor Jason called that out. And I think that's something that even in the church today, no matter who you are, where you are, you probably have this feeling of some point in your life where you've had 
a second class mentality yeah. where I'm not enough. Good enough. It's yeah. shame. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, go ahead, Jennifer. Talk about it. That's I mean, oh, no, you can share, but I was like, ah, oh, yes, that shame of just yeah. never being enough. enough. And that's what the second class citizen is, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like someone's always better. You always have to earn your way. No matter what you offer, it just isn't going to be enough. It isn't going to be received well. It's not what people are looking for. And that mentality, I do think, keeps people from – I do think people – And I think sometimes it is so blatantly obvious. Like we think of racism, classism, sexism. Like, oh, because I'm a woman, I'm second class. Or because I'm black, I'm second class. Or because I'm poor. Or because I'm poor. Yeah. But I think that there's even these deeper underlying things. Like when we had done that sisterhood and you had us in the devotional part write down the things that we say to each ourselves mm -hmm. or things that you have shame over that you don't even realize – Oh, I said that in shame mm. that you have these things that are maybe not so obviously identifying. You know, I think of yeah. when I first became a Christian and I was learning a lot of new things. One of the things that can in the modern church today is like speaking in tongues. Mm. And there's some denominations and sects that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And it's the second class Christian mentality. Mm. And I was like, what? Yeah. Is that what the gospel's preaching to me? That like, I just thought, I thought I just got out of that <laughs> feeling of being second class. Now it's like another thing. And I think anytime that it has that, that shame of being second class, that we can turn to this Galatians text or lots of areas in scripture that affirms that like, no, not at all. Not at all. There is freedom from even this. And I think there's a, I think there's a theme going throughout all of scripture. And I think this points exactly to mm. that. If you go back to even, you know, the second class mentality, I think it's pushing us to what the entire book of Matthew is all about with the Beatitudes. And sure. it's not, it's not even so much about other people seeing you as second class citizens. It's you understanding that it is not about status. It is not about titles. It's not about anything. You are to submit yourself to the King and that, that, your whole mentality through the Beatitudes and through Matthew is this idea of showing us God's kingdom of where we lower ourselves so that we build others up. Mm -hmm. That it shouldn't be about a focus of us being, you know, second class. It shouldn't be about shame. It shouldn't be about anything. It's all about that mentality of we build other people up. And if everyone in the kingdom does that, it eliminates this. I and think I think that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. I think that's what the theme is. And I love that it ties all the way back to Genesis with Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. It ties to mm -hmm. David. It ties to Galatians. Like throughout all of scripture, I think there's a theme here that shows us that we that we don't have, there is no, there is none of this status. It's all about submitting ourselves to the king so that we can build up the people around us. Yeah, and we even see that when they're talking about like not looking at the other racers. We're constantly looking to the sides of us and comparing and being like, oh, I'm second class to you, but at least I'm better than you, but I'm second class to that. And I'm definitely third class to Derek. He went to seminary. Dang it. Oh, you know, wow. like, <laughs> but then you have this where it's like, where, where, where are your eyes supposed to be fixed? Yeah. Who are you supposed to be focusing on? And we, we, you know, we're going to finish up with this final thought here of being God's kingdom always has been and still should be revolutionary. You know, and what, what did you guys think of that, that final thought when he tied it up real nice? And I was like, yes. I just love that the power of God's word is so alive and active and um, that today with everything that we're going on, it still has the power to be revolutionary. I mean, mm. consider that, consider that, like, that's crazy. Like most books that were written at that time were not, are not revolutionary today. 
And so like the most progressive thing that we have is the Bible. Like that's kind of a crazy thought. But I also, my other thought about this is the world's kind of ugly and it like all you have to do is like turn on the news and you can see that. And there are good, there are good things. And I think that's God's grace upon us. But um, I don't, if God's kingdom look like our kingdom, I don't want that. I need it to be revolutionary and different. And so I'm thankful that it is. And I'm thankful that it challenges me to think differently and to be differently and to act differently and to love differently um, because I need that and the world needs it. So I totally affirm that. That's that's beautiful. That like gives that, that hope. Yeah. It has to be different. There has to be something better. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when it, so when I preached like three or four weeks ago, uh, I don't think it was my best, but it's because I got so lost in how much Paul was using scripture to push against culture in a way that he was using text and using scripture and the things he was saying. Like, I just fell down this rabbit hole of like, he's going for it here. And I think the book of Galatians is a good example of that, where he's like, he's not pulling his punches. He's going full steam to try to, to try to change and to show how big the gospel is. And so I love the fact that it's revolutionary. And I think absolutely, we absolutely need that because our broken world isn't enough. It's not enough to get us there. And even let's say if we view it as a selfish world, if I put everything on Derek's back and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself ahead in life. I'm going to do everything. That's not enough either. And so we need a, we need a gospel, a kingdom, God's kingdom to push against uh, the norms of this world because otherwise we're lost without it. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was so revolutionary and how he spoke and how he walked. And just like, I think, I I think just it comes to like my job. I like I got we got to be careful. With like if we're like you said, if we're not putting Jesus first, if we're not running towards Jesus, yeah. and like you know, like I think of and you and you see and you like I think of and I see like Maverick City and what they're doing, and it's just like what they got there because they because they sought Jesus first though. Yeah. And 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 <laughs> this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a controversial statement, and probably my friends are probably gonna be texting me like, "Oh, you're wrong," but <laughs> I I believe Maverick City is the most profound music group to ever come out. In two years, there have already been Grammy nominations, over ten Grammy nominations. They only been out for two years. They the stories are from Chandler Moore to Dante Bo for what they're doing. For me, so you go on their website. I had a friend who was like, "Yeah, see, they don't. You don't see Jesus." And I'm just like, I'm just like, well, just because I was like in the book of Esther, you don't see God's name anywhere, right? But you know, God is is in the in is in the story of Esther. And I'm just like, if I'm like, you can tell from the hearts of of their humble hearts of where they're going and how they're being revolutionary to culture. And how they're loving people through their music, yeah. and so like, and what you're saying, you know, we we look we look here because for me, because like I that's that's my goal, right? Yeah. I know I know people might want to hear I want to be a Zion for ten years, but no, my my goal is I want I want a tour, and I want to spread Jesus's name through music in that way. And so like I'm looking at every city, I'm like, man, their musicians are amazing. Am I gonna reach that? And they even like, well, <laughs> just like, well, I'm, I know I'm better than these people. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and I, I know, I know my, I know my worth compared to, and I just, but, but no, if, 
if I'm if I'm going towards Jesus first only and only, then my marriage is gonna go stronger, my my musicianship is gonna go stronger, and my and like my heart's gonna go stronger for God yeah. and people, and that's gonna catch fire. Absolutely, I think right now, Jennifer, you really, it like right now you watch the news and we see it. You know, Claire Lake, this is recorded before Pastor Jason's sermon. And last night, I think a lot of us are tired because we had a storm that rolled through an entire state. And there's a lot of damage. And we had Rudd got hit by a tornado. And there's a lot of people that are just tired. And I think that it's not just tired from the storm last night, but I think we're tired. There's a lot going on that this is a very broken sad world if you focus on those things that if you i mean no matter where you look even even in the church we get things wrong if you look at that it's so discouraging it's so easy to be jaded and i think that that hope is that the the gospel that message that revolutionary wait this is different wait paul is telling me that that god sees me as an heir he doesn't see me as a second-class, single mom, poor white girl that never grew up in the church. That's my own things that I see. He sees me as a beautiful, chosen, beloved child of his that has everything he has in the kingdom to offer me. And I can bring that to others here now, yeah. not just in the future, not just this new earth, this new kingdom come, heaven, whatever we want. But now I can have freedom now today when I look around in this broken world that I still have joy. I still have peace with Christmas coming and everything. Mm. You know, it's like we we think yeah. about that. We have that on our hearts. And I just, I, re I really love this message. Yeah, and I think the challenge for us is this should still be revolutionary in our own lives, yeah. right? So it's not just that this is revolutionary for our culture. This is this has the power, God's kingdom has the power to transform the way we live. And that is incredible when you think about that. I agree. Well, guys, if you liked this sermon breakthrough, breakdown, breakdown, breakthrough, <laughs> I can't speak right. Man, Jason's never gonna let me do this again. If you like you this- You are an heir of the church. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm chosen. So if you're, if you're getting kind of ornery about my speaking skills right now, just take it up with Moses when you get there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak real good. But if you liked it, please do us a favor. Share it. Like it. Leave a comment. Go on the app to do it. Go directly to Apple, um, anywhere that you listen to these podcasts. Let us know. Um, give it to your friends. And we will see you next week for a special episode right before Christmas. And then it's been a whole year of this. Like, this is incredible. So signing off, this is Kate. This is Derek. Jennifer. Juan Pablo. Bye, Bob Goff. <laughs>